Hello, my beautiful beans, and welcome to the episode of today. Today's episode is all about how to feel more empowered. I'm going to go over five ways that you can feel more empowered every single day. Now, you can do all these five things every single day. Ideally, that's the aim, so you can really elevate your levels of empowerment or feelings of empowerment. Or you could just do one or two or whatever you have time for or whatever you're in the mood for. But all these things are going to help you feel a lot better about yourself. And when you feel empowered, it's also going to make you feel more driven, more focused, more relaxed, happier, in a flow state, in the moment, all of those and more. So it's just such a great feeling. And leaning into things that make you feel more empowered is a, is a really great way of feeding back into things that you do for self-love and things that you do for your relationship with yourself and how to improve your relationship with yourself, how to care for yourself more, how to respect yourself more. And then kind of it stems from there and flows from there. And like I talk about all the time, every time you do something that's going to better your relationship with yourself, it's just going to have a positive impact on your relationship with others around you. A much, you know, they're just going to get so much better because your relationship with other people is heavily determined by your relationship with yourself. You're going to feel happier in your work, with your purpose, in your career, socially. It just goes on and on and on. As you know, I love banging on about anything self-love related. That's what most of my questions from my beans, my listeners, my audience is, is about. So this self-empowerment, how to feel more empowered is just going to tie into that. I do not have a brain fact today. I apologize. Um, I just don't, didn't organize myself properly. And also this episode is coming out late, two days late. So I'm sorry about that too. As I, I feel it's no mystery. I probably have said this a thousand times. I'm very unorganized. I think people think I'm organized because I've managed to achieve, you know, some milestones in my life that you would imagine requires organization, but I'm not innately an organized person. So I have waves of severe organization and then waves of the opposite to like a crazy extent. So this is why if you listen to my last episode, I'm getting a PA. This is just going to be absolutely amazing for me. And probably the first thing when I hire this person, I'm going to, if you're probably listening because I've only advertised this to my audience because I'd, ideally I'd like a bean to be working for me because they just fucking get me. But I'm going to sit you down, bro, and I'm going to be like, organize my life. No pressure, but just sort me out. Tell me what to do. I need someone to tell me what to do most of the time. This is what I always talk about. Um, I like come up with all these ideas and I have all these creative ideas and I'm just kind of throwing shit in the air, juggling all these balls in the air and I would love someone, I want to lay everything up being like, these are all my ideas, this is all the work that I've done and I want someone to then get that and then turn around and be like, you need to do this, 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 this today. I want to be told what to do half the time. Ironically enough, weirdly because I love working for myself. So riddle me that. Anyway, I don't have a brain fact, like I said, but I do have a random Alexis fact, which it, I just remembered and I thought I'd let you guys know because it's hilarious. And then I have a listener question at the end of the episode. So the random Alexis fact is that when I was a child, I was sent to ESL at school. That is English as a second language. I spoke fluent English when I was at school. I used to, and, and I understood English perfectly. And mind you, Fair enough if they sent me to ESL when I was in kindergarten because when I started kindergarten, my parents had raised me speaking Spanish as my first language and then English as a second language, so they're not completely wrong. But I started going to this ESL, you know, 
madness when I was in grade two. So I already had three years of school to learn English. And I feel like I had mastered the language, you would you would hope. But no, evidently not. And there I was being like plucked out of the classroom and then made to hang out with these other kids. And do you know what I think it was? I don't think any of us had an issue with the English language because it was myself. There was, I remember a Korean boy, an Indian boy. There was, I think, an Iranian girl. That, like all these different nationalities, definitely some Greeks as well, myself, a Hispanic. We're all just chilling there, cutting out like like outlines of horses and making little merry-go-rounds out of paper horses. And we just talk to each other in English. It's like, cunt, why are we here? Although I probably didn't use that language. Lol, can you imagine? But we're like, why are we here? But we're also not going to complain too much because we got out of doing like really boring class tasks. But there I was doing English as a second language where I would do like paper merry-go-rounds and colour them in, not actually learn English at all. And I kind of have realized why it is that I was probably being sent to ESL because I was a very weird child and when I was quite young I had no friends I was a loner and I'd like roam around the playground with my sandwich bag filled with olives just olives not a sandwich and I would walk around eat an olive walk a little bit more eat another olive and the teachers are probably like this fucking situation needs you know they probably just wanted me to make friends with other kids who probably had friends. So that's my fun fact of the day. I, ha- I was a weird kid. I don't think that that would be a surprise to anyone that I was a weird kid that would roam around the school eating olives. And my parents used to also give me like miniature tins of tuna. <laughs> like no wonder, no wonder people aren't hanging out with me. I'm cruising around with tins of tuna and olives and dates and people would like point at me like, she's eating a cockroach. And I told my dad once, I was like, dad, everyone's laughing at me saying that I'm eating cockroaches. Can I just not take dates to school anymore? And they used to give me like really cool food to take to school that now would be very cool. But at the time, not a vibe for the other students. And my dad was like, yeah, when they say it's a cockroach, just say, yeah, it is a cockroach, you know, and then they're not going to say it anymore. And I was like, oh, that sounds really extreme. But anyway, so I did. And they were like, she's eating cockroaches. And, and I turned around and I was like, yeah, they are. And they're like, oh, my God. And they fucking started laughing at me even more. I'm like, oh, my God, they're never going to let me live this down. And then I told my dad and he thought it was hilarious. I'm like, you're not the one walking around the playground roaming around eating tins of tuna and fucking olives and dates. Anyway, I can see the humour in it now and it's just built me into the person I am today. So character building shit, guys. Character building shit. If you want to build up your child's character, give them weird ass food to take to school and watch them bloom. Anyway, that is the Alexis anecdote of the day. I'm sure I've got many up my sleeve. So if you enjoy that little story about my life, just let me know through socials or whatever and I'll add some more in the podcast, just peppered throughout the podcast of Alexis's weird life um, moments that have grown her as a human. Anyway, let's get straight into the topic of today's episode. And that is five ways to feel more empowered daily. So let's talk about self-empowerment. Self-empowerment or feelings of empowerment. The idea of it is all about taking control of your life so you feel that you have more control over your own future. That's kind of what it's all about. It's this feeling of knowing that something is within your hands. It's within your ability to do something about. One of the worst feelings is feeling completely disempowered where you feel completely powerless 
in a situation and there's nothing that you can do and you're kind of just a passenger along for the ride for all this shit that's happening in your life. Or maybe it's not even that shit but you'll just feel like a passenger in a life that you feel like you didn't really sign up for and you're kind of like, how the fuck did I get here? And I feel like I can't change anything. I feel like I'm kind of stuck in this situation. It might not be horrible but I'm certainly not cheering and – Uh, there's nothing I could do about it now. And I had all these dreams for what my life could look like and I had all these ideas when I was younger and now I found myself in this situation that I never wanted, never planned for, yet here I am working my ass off just in this weird zone, okay? So the opposite of that is feeling empowered, feeling like you've got control over where your life is headed, over your own destiny, your future, okay? That is what I want to be talking about. And it starts small. You start with small things realising, okay, I actually can have some control over this. I actually do have control over this. I can change the result of that. I can change the outcome here, there, here. And you start doing more and more and more of it. And before you know it, in a matter of not much time, months, maybe, year, maybe if it's extreme, a couple of years, your life could be completely different in a good way to what you know it to be right now. But it takes starting with basic steps because it's, it's all, most of it, is in your mind. So you have to train the mind and the mind takes your body places, it takes you physically places, it takes your life places. It's all about training where your mind is at. And if you can get to a point where you feel deep down that you are in power, in a position of control with your own life, then everything is going to start to change for you. Everything will start to change for the better. Now, of course, I've gone and done a list. I love a list. I love a list. And just a little side note, I am one of those people that have to write things down on paper because the satisfaction, I can't tick it off. That's just outrageous. Only psychopaths will tick something off. You have to draw a line through it. There's nothing more satisfying than going pen to paper, scratching something out with a line. So I love a list. So, of course, I've done a list for this episode. And there's five things that we're going to talk about to slowly start training your mind to make you feel more empowered. So let's go through those five things. Number one, administer self-control on at least one thing. So self-control is basically you resisting a short-term impulse for a long-term gain. Okay? So that could be anything. That could be a distraction. That could be a temptation. That could be a habit. That could be you choosing comfort over discomfort. Whatever it is. We've all got our vices, all of us. A big one, and I bang on about this because it's just the most obvious one, is getting up early. That's a huge um, statement to yourself of administering self-control. To get up out of bed when you're someone that doesn't like to do that. That's that's a lot of self-control to do that, right? Um then, of course, there's things like not checking your phone, you know, the, 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 not, the, the basic ones that I talk about, getting up early, not checking your phone or having a time limit to the, to the times you check your phone. Uh, it could be, you know, if you're someone that always has something sweet before bed, it could be not having that sweet thing before bed except for on the weekends or whatever it is. But find the things that you normally cave in? Is it I always set my snooze button? I would like I always press snooze when I wake up. Is it that I cannot resist something sweet? Is it um, once I'm on my phone, it's game over. I cannot get off social media. Whatever it is, find one thing you're going to do that day to administer self-control. Ideally, if possible, 
try and set that thing the night before so you kind of wake up all guns blazing or ready to, you know, it's, you know, if you wake up and then you have to think, oh, what's it going to be? You can do that, of course. You can do it right now. But ideally the night before, so you're setting yourself up, you're prepping for it, you're in the zone, you're good to go when you wake up. But decide on what that thing is. And if you want, you can make it more than one thing. But I'm, I'm sticking to the basics here and I'm talking about one thing where you're going to administer self-control and you're going to follow through with it, okay? Another thing that I would recommend is the one thing that you choose, try and follow through with it for multiple days in a row, at least a week, because that way you start to see some consistency and then it's something that's more likely to stick, okay? But self-control on at least one thing. Number two, ask yourself why you are doing what you are doing regularly, okay? At least a few times in your day, the answer should be because it makes me happy. So you have to ask yourself, why am I going to this event? Why am I working in this career? Why am I wearing this outfit? And a couple of them hopefully will be because I fucking love it. And if you find that you asking yourself the questions, why am I going to this event? Why am I living here? Why am I doing why, 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 why? If the answer is for all these other reasons other than because it makes me happy or because I love it, then you're going to start to become aware of your actions. Now, sometimes there are big things that at the moment right now you can't change. For example, why am I in this job? Okay, there might be some really big reasons why you've ended up in this career and whether it makes you happy or not, that might take a bit of time to change. Fine. But sometimes you might think, why am I wearing this? And you think, oh, it's because I'm going to this thing and people are going to look at me weirdly if I wear this. I'd actually love to be wearing this other thing, but whatever. And I'm not really expressing myself, but, you know, I've got to be more conservative. You might realize that you're actually going to places, changing your appearance to please people, doing certain things to appease other people or to not rock the boat. A lot of the times we dull ourselves down to not get a reaction from someone. You know, a lot of people who are either people pleasers or aren't generally that confident around people that they don't know might notice that they are dulling their own flair or their own character because they don't want to cause a scene. They don't want to get a reaction. They don't want to have comments made. So they'll make themselves, you know, outwardly appearing to be bland in inverted commas. Okay. So you have to ask yourself, am I like, is that actually making me happy? Me appeasing these people by doing this thing, going to this event, feeling like I have to be here or say this thing or not stand up for myself or wear this stupid outfit or whatever, ultimately is that actually making me feel happy? Just ask yourself that regularly and you're going to start to realise that maybe most of the things that you do throughout your day is to please someone else or to not piss someone else off or to not stand out too much. When you ask yourself this question often, it's going to help you make the right decisions on things that only concern you, what you wear, your style, where you're going to go for a holiday, how you like to live your life, what music you like to listen to. Who cares if it's embarrassing? What music do you like to listen to? You're going to notice if you're someone that feels like you don't have much power over your circumstances or your life, you're probably by asking yourself this question, you're going to notice, wow, there's a lot that I do in my life that's for other people, especially when this thing does not directly concern that person. 
A lot of things in your life only directly concern you, but you think, oh, I couldn't do that. That would be embarrassing. Or people would say this, or people would think I'm weird if I did that, or if I said that, or if I visited that place, or if I did this as a hobby. A lot of people don't do hobbies because they're embarrassed because it's some random fucking thing that they're doing, okay? But then, you know, you've got to ask yourself, that's, is it worth it? Is it worth not doing this for one person to have a three-second judgment of me and then not think about it again? And here I have gone out of my way to do something or to not do something. The answer is no, it's not worth it, just to cut the mystery. It is a no. However, are you asking yourself this enough? So the question that you have to ask yourself often is, why am I doing what I am doing? Pay attention to the answer and be honest because no one else has to hear that answer, only you do. Number three, do something uncomfortable. You getting yourself out of your own comfort zone is a very empowering thing to do. I'm not talking about, oh, that person made me stand up in front of you know, the group and say, no, I'm not talking about shit where someone else made you do something to get out of your comfort zone. Well, those things are also very good for, you know, building your character and shit. I'm talking about you taking the initiative to get yourself out of your comfort zone. And it has to be uncomfortable to you. I'm not talking about inappropriate uncomfortable where you're being mean to yourself. I'm talking about things that you're not used to doing, but will help you in the long run. For example, are you someone that hates making phone calls? but it's a skill that would be great to have. So maybe instead of texting that person, you make a phone call. Speak to a stranger today. And it could be, if you're someone that hates speaking to strangers, the best way to do it is to, when you order a coffee or a tea or whatever it is that you order, buying a bottle of water, whatever, ask that person, how's your day been? I do it all the time. I do it just kind of out of, you know, um, habit. I always ask the person who's serving me, how their day's been. But if you're someone that hates talking to strangers, that might be enough of an uncomfortable situation to put yourself in. And then bang, you've ticked it off and you walk away. Even if they look at you being like, fine, like rude, doesn't matter. You've gone and asked the question. You've put yourself out of your comfort zone. You've done that uncomfortable thing. There's a whole bunch of things that you could be doing. It could be, you know, some things are going to be uncomfortable to some people and not to others. Like it could be taking a cold shower at the end of your shower. It could be, um, apologizing, hectic, apologizing for for something that someone hasn't even prompted you for an apology. Like you could have done something, you could have said something to your friend, you saw that they're a bit uncomfortable, but your friend would never hit you up for the apology and maybe it's been sitting on your mind. Imagine if you just texted saying, hey, I noticed what I said the other day kind of possibly made you uncomfortable and, you know, I registered that and I'm really sorry, I'm not going to do that again. Simple powerful shit like that. Okay. Something that you're like, Oh, that's so uncomfortable. Do it. Okay. Do something. I don't care how small something uncomfortable. Okay. Number four, spend 20 minutes or more. If you can spend more great, but you don't want to make it this crazy amount of time because it's got to be something that's achievable from date on a day-to-day basis, but spend 20, maybe 30 minutes on something you are always procrastinating on, something you're always putting off. Could that be changing your insurance? You've always wanted to change your insurance, but you cannot be staffed doing it or the the thought of it's like, oh, fuck, as if I'm going to like, no, 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 not for me, not today. You're going to do it today. Opening up a new bank account, redoing the drawers in your kitchen, cleaning your, like washing your car. And then it's just like, looks like you've just gone like off-roading because it's so filthy. This is just, I'm talking about myself right now. 
my car was looking so filthy. And do you know how bad it was looking? It was looking so bad that yesterday or two days ago, Tyrone is like, I'm going to wash your car now and just walked out and washed my car. I'm like, fuck. I mean, beautiful angel of a man. Thank you so much. But like how bad is my car that he's like taking the initiative to wash it? So that's, you know, that's something I should take a leaf out of my own book here. But yeah, washing your car, um, washing your windows, Reg, just whatever it is. 20 minutes and the beauty about setting a timer is that you don't 20 or 30 minutes is that okay with some tasks like I just said washing your car okay you're obviously going to wash the whole thing in one go but with a lot of the tasks they're either done in less than 20 minutes so then the rest is bonus time or if it's a task that can't be completed in 20 minutes like redoing your entire wardrobe you can do a portion of it and when it hits 20 minutes or whatever the time you've set aside you're done okay beautiful 20 minutes is done I'll do the next 20 minutes tomorrow and then what happens the more often you do this the more you think I'm it's me against the clock I've got 20 minutes to tidy this thing or to work on this thing or to start brainstorming for this thing. It's just 20 minutes. So then you think I'm going to be in the zone. I'm going to smash out as much as I can in that time and see what I can do. And then before you know it, in a couple of days, that big task of redoing your wardrobe or, or redoing your paperwork, you know, refiling all your shit or going through your computer and organizing your folders or whatever it is that you want to do, before you know it, in a couple of days, it's done. And you feel like, wow, I just did that. And if I can do that, there's probably a lot more that I could be doing with my time and with my day. And now I'm feeling a little bit more in control of my life and of the shit that I've got going on for myself. If you're trying to, you know, what if you wanted to write a book? But you feel like, oh, I've got all these ideas, but 20 minutes a day towards writing that book. You could sit there with a pen and just be like brainstorming and or throwing words down. It doesn't matter. 20 minute timer, start doing it. Where will that book be in 365 days time? How much time, how many minutes would you have spent? I'm going to calculate it right now. Give me one sec. I just calculated it. 7,300 minutes. That's 121 hours. That's five days five days that you've worked full on on this one thing. So it's it's so achievable. And imagine after a year, if you had set 20 minutes aside to a side hustle or a hobby or anything that you've ever wanted to do, if not 20, more than 20 minutes, can you imagine where you'd be at? You'd feel empowered. You'd feel like I've ticked something off. I'm working on that thing. This is unbelievable. And it was the same amount of time that I get stuck doom scrolling on my phone. That same time. Incredible. It's wild. And all of us can learn from that, including myself. Because yes, I always work on shit. I'm always doing stuff. But I also find that I can, as you, as everyone else, get very distracted. So then when I take control of those distractions and when I pull myself back and I don't engage in those things, I notice myself feel so much better about my day, about myself, about my future. I feel way more optimistic. I kind of have this much better feel. I kind of like a zest for life. When I feel like I'm chipping away at the things that I've always been putting off that mean something to me or that are important to my future or important to my current life. And when I'm doing those things, I feel really good about myself. That's one of the best things you can do for self-love is dedicate this set time every day to just work on those things that you normally would be putting off. And number five, have a daily statement or a weekly statement that is believable to you. This could be 
an affirmation, okay, something you affirm to yourself. But note that when it comes to affirmations, I'm very specific on the kind of affirmations that I recommend for people. If you're someone who is feeling very low about yourself and an affirmation if I'm confident, I'm so confident around everyone and I, you know, that's not going to feel very believable to you. For me, an affirmation has to be a thought where you hold no resistance to but feels good to think about. That's how I look at affirmations, okay? So for me, I don't see the benefit in the affirmations where you're saying something that to you in that moment feels like a lie because for a lot of people, you might say a statement that completely contradicts how you're feeling which is pointless because everything goes down to your feeling, not the words. It's about how you're feeling. So if you say something that 100% contradicts your feelings, you deep down think, oh, that's such a fucking lie. And then it's more annoying. So I like to look at a statement that is empowering, that is realistic, and that holds no resistance towards how I'm feeling. So for example, your statement for the day could be, my focus today is my peace of mind. So you're just bringing yourself back to what your focus is. Next time someone says something that where they're trying, you know those people who try and piss you off and then you bite the bait and then you're annoyed that you bit the bait? If you remind yourself every day for the next seven days, my focus today is my peace of mind. That person's trying to piss me off. I'm just going to let them say their peace. I'm just going to remove myself from the situation. Peace of mind, that is my priority today. That could be your statement. There's no resistance there. You're not saying something that feels like a lie. This is something that your focus is your peace of mind. It could be something like, My favorite statement that I do is I live for this feeling because when something is difficult or challenging, it's not to say I don't, I'm not in, it's not to say I love all the challenges, but it's saying this is what life is about. I remind myself that in the challenging moments is where a lesson or growth or an opportunity is going to come from. When I'm working out and I'm in the moment where I'm about to like collapse out of that position I'm holding I live for that feeling and I'm like, this is why I'm to get to that point, to get to that point where I'm challenged to understand where my limits are. I love that. So I live for this feeling. It's not saying I love it when something really challenging happens to me and something didn't work out, but it's saying this is what I'm here for. This is what life is about. So my favorite one is I live for this feeling. Um, you, it could be I'm here for the process, not the outcome. So if you find that something's taking a lot, lot longer than you would have liked, You have to remind yourself and a statement is like, I'm here for the journey. How can I make this journey enjoyable? Because I can't just slog it out and hate my life and then have one day of success at the end. I'm here for the journey. Okay, so there's there's all these statements that you can make that are going to make you feel empowered, that are going to sound realistic. They're going to make you feel good. They remind you of what you know, the theme of your week is, what your purpose is for that week, what your priorities are for that week. They keep you centered and you can say them as often as you like. And it's really good. Ideally, maybe so it kind of sticks, maybe try having one statement for the week. Uh, You can change it every day. It's whatever works for you. But one statement for the week is good because then you can kind of hold on to that theme for the week. You're reminding of, you remind yourself of that statement more often throughout the week. And because you've repeated it more throughout the week, it just stays more top of mind and you're able to kind of, you know, flick back to that statement in your mind whenever you need to remind yourself of that. And so it's like a good kind of theme to carry throughout the week. So those are the five things for today's episode. So I'll go over them again. Number one, administer self-control on at least one thing. And that's going to prove to yourself that you are capable of doing that. That helps you feel more empowered because you took control. Number two, ask yourself 
why you are doing what you are doing regularly and pay attention to how many times the answer is because I want to or because it makes me happy. And if you're not saying that at all, then maybe look at changing how you go about certain things. Number three, do something uncomfortable. Number four, spend 20 minutes or more on something that you're always putting off and do this every single day. And number five, have a daily statement or a weekly statement, ideally, that is believable to you, that feels good and true when you say it to yourself and puts you in an optimistic headspace. Good times. All right. So that is the episode of today. Hopefully you can implement one, two, hopefully five of those. Give it a go. See how you go. Um, and just pick what works for you. Try them all out. See which ones stick and just do that. And I can guarantee you that you're going to start to feel like you have, you're more in control of yourself. And when you feel like you're more in control of yourself, it feels that you've got more control over your future, your destiny, whatever you want to call it. Amazing. Now let's get straight into the listener question of today. Hi, Alexis. Like all the rest of us, love your work. You're truly amazing. Thank you. I know that the answer to my question can already be found somewhere in your podcast, but I guess it will help me more for you to direct your answer right at me. My partner and I just split up due to my own insecurities and how I have treated him based on that. I think they stem from my childhood. I also feel as though my insecurities stem from things that I have done in my past rather than what others have done to me. Maybe a bit of both. I have spurts of feeling not good enough, then I lose confidence in myself and then our relationship. But then at times I will feel strong. In hindsight, looking back over the years, I feel as though I couldn't even feel properly until I met this person. It's like they taught me to feel again after a long life of heartache and self-protection. But with that came the good and the bad. A lot from my past had arose. I talked to him and told him where I was at and he was okay with this, although sometimes he took it personally when really it had nothing to do with him at all. I just needed support. I started to get worse with alcohol involved. I would just try and I would just look or try to find something that he had done slightly wrong and attack him with that. I have been hesitant on seeking help from someone in relation to this, but after the weekend just been, I knew enough was enough and that I can't go on like this. He has since left me. I understand how it has taken a toll on him, but I also am so heartbroken that he has just left me and not stuck with me through this time. He has had a pretty good life and has no has had no major traumas, so I feel with any issues he just can't cope or understand. I thought he was my forever person, and as I said, I feel as though he has helped me to feel again because as a child I unknowingly built certain walls. Now that they are down, I'm feeling the most pain and greatest sadness that I have ever felt. I'm trying to sit with these feelings. I'm trying to eat. I don't want to let myself slip away into a bad place. And I'm also aware of that. Absolutely anything that you have to say about the situation would be so greatly appreciated. Thanks. Much love. Okay. What I'm going to say to you here is probably not going to be the softest thing, but I think it's something that would be important for you to hear and it actually will help you move forward. Number one, you mentioned that um, that you've been hesitant on seeking help from someone, but then you realize that enough was enough. I think it's very important if you have the ability and the resources to absolutely speak to somebody. I think that 
99.9% of the population would benefit greatly from speaking to someone. It's just so healthy whether you feel that you are just working through something major or something minor. It's always, always going to benefit you speaking to someone. So I think that's a great idea and I think you will gain a lot from that. You'll grow a lot. You'll have a lot of insight. It would just be – it's just one of the best things that people can do and I feel like it would be great if everyone did it. So I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. I would encourage that. Something that you mentioned, you mentioned something about that he has had a pretty good life and no major traumas, so you feel that with any issues he can't cope or understand. Not having trauma in your life does not mean that you don't have coping mechanisms because you're mentioning that you had a hard life and things were difficult, but you don't have coping mechanisms. You are using alcohol. So that's not – one doesn't equal the other. People's, people's exposure to pain does not equal ability to cope with something. Same as someone's lack of exposure to trauma or pain does not mean that they don't have the capacity to cope with someone. But there's also something called boundaries and there's a big chance that your partner was just setting boundaries on what they were able to put up with and what they, what they were not. It's got nothing to do with are you a good person or not. It's got to do with what this person, your partner, your ex, was willing to put up with and what he wasn't. Whether it's fair or unfair, it doesn't matter. They were his boundaries. And he had to at one point put up a wall. This happens all the time with traumatic relationships, with non-traumatic relationships, with healthy relationships, with unhealthy relationships. People get to a point, whether it could be the most healthy relationship in the world, and people can still get to a point and think, no, I don't want this anymore. I, it, it's not serving me and I'm done. So him turning around and saying, you know, you can't put the blame on him. You're saying that he's left you and not stuck with you through this time. I know it sounds really awful what I'm going to say, but people don't owe you them. They don't owe you sticking something out with you, unfortunately, for the people going through pain. No one owes you that. And it's a hard pill to swallow. But if you're in a position where you think that he owed you that, and that he's, he's the one that's gone and left you when you already had these existing underlying things that were, you know, causing you pain, then it's almost like you're shifting the blame on him. You've got to look at him as a completely separate entity to the fact that there's other things that you need to work through with or without this person in your life. There's things that, you know, you would benefit from working through ideally not in a relationship, but if you are in a relationship, you can still work through those things that will make you work on your self-love, work on, you know, how you view yourself, how you respect yourself. It's okay if you've done bad things in the past. We all have. It's so fine. We've all done bad things in our past. And sometimes it just takes, you know, forgiving ourselves for those things. And maybe that's something that you need to start doing. Look at forgiving yourself for the things that you're not happy with having done and then learning to like move on in the most productive way possible. But all these things that you could be doing are things that that are relevant to how you are experiencing your life even prior to this guy entering your life. It's not his responsibility to stick it out with you and it's awful and it's painful but that's just the truth because it's, it's just not his responsibility and the world we live in can be a harsh world many times. Um, that's not to take away from the heartbreak that you're feeling, not at all, you know, um, but you – the, you, this can also serve you in your future as a massive, massive learning curve because you did mention that, you know, you would, you know, things got worse, alcohol got involved and that you would find something that he had done slightly wrong and attack him with that. So obviously there's behaviours in there that are not conducive to a healthy relationship and these might be some of the reasons why he left 
okay? And it's, again, it's not to say that you're a bad person, but there are certain things that, you know, were not helpful to the relationship thriving. And whether you want to talk to him about that or whether it's a done deal, either way, it's just something that you've got to you've got to take away that responsibility from him because it's not his responsibility. This is a moment for you to grow and learn from and think I've learned a lot from that relationship. I gained a lot from that relationship. But the the main thing that you can take away from this is that in a relationship or out of the relationship, you need to be doing work on yourself. You need to be, if possible, speaking to someone that can help you look at it from an outside perspective and help you piece things together and start to feel better about yourself and start to feel more confident within yourself. But all of that is irrelevant to this man. The pain is just highlighted because he is not there as the band-aid. When we have a partner in our lives, it's very easy to push down our negative feelings towards ourselves, and they'll crop up and surface and be and act as like thorns in the relationship and often be hurtful not just to us but to our partner but when we have a partner it's kind of like this big band-aid that's you know shifting our focus away from the issues that we need to be working through on our own for ourselves so when the partner leaves all these issues are heightened and they they feel 10 times bigger than they felt when the partner was in our lives because we no longer have this kind of this thing that's softening the blow and partners are a great distraction and they're like our emotional you know support and our emotional sounding board and when they're gone you kind of feel left in the lurch and you feel abandoned and that is completely okay to feel that way because it it does feel that way but you have to remind yourself that before him and while he was there all these issues were still an issue and there's a big chance that this relationship could have never thrived and there's a big chance that you may have never made the major steps to heal yourself if it wasn't for him leaving you. Sometimes the greatest gift someone can give you, the greatest gift is them leaving you. You might be able to look at this situation and right now you cannot see it and that's fair because no one can when it's just happened, but you might be able to look at this situation and say, fuck, that was the catalyst for change. You know, thank fuck he did leave me because it really shook my world. And that was when I was able to really prioritize myself and care for myself and forgive myself and go through all the things that I needed to go through so I can truly heal and get to a point where I can really love myself and be confident in myself. And sometimes, unfortunately, Sometimes it takes someone leaving us for us to realize that the only person that's going to be there for us to pick ourselves up and to make ourselves happy is ourselves. Because you can be surrounded by unbelievably great people in your life and still not be happy with yourself. So yes, your circle, your inner circle definitely determines how you experience your life. But the person who is responsible to make you happy is yourself. The person who is responsible to stick with you through the tough times is yourself. So my advice would be to process what's happened, be patient with yourself, and then focus on just doing things that are going to improve your self-confidence and your self-love. If you can be speaking to someone, I would highly recommend you do that because that will accelerate the process because you have someone, you know, who sees something from the outside and it's not heightened with all these emotions. So if that is a possibility, I would absolutely lean into that as well. Hopefully that was helpful. If I were you, I'd be kinder to myself. I would take the time, you know, just because you've had a few bad 
situations and bad moments. It's got nothing to do with who you are as a person. And sometimes these moments happen in our lives to serve as, you know, a, a, a jumping board or whatever you want to call it to the next level to help you level up to a version of yourself that you didn't even imagine would be possible. So this could be a very good thing to look back on in your future. All right. Hopefully that was helpful, guys. Thank you so much for listening to my episode today. Love you guys so much. If you did want to send a question through, please send it to info at dyfmpod.com. And as always, remember, be kind to yourself, be kind to your brain. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke.